0: Greetings, and welcome back to the Random History Podcast. Today I will be discussing papal Edicts as part of my podcast on Important Documents. I know that the papal Edict is not a specific document, it's more of a class of documents, but I thought it would be kind of fun to cover something a bit more, like, widespread in a way, just because I feel like it could be an interesting experience, and something i would be kind of cool to talk about. So another word for the papal Edict is the Popple Wall i might cover a few specific ones when we talk more about like the actual design of it like what it means and what it's like so for those who don't know what a popple bowl i'm gonna start calling them popple edicts i mean sorry i'm gonna call the popple edicts a popple bowl which is the more common name just to so be just so from here on out you know what that is so a popple bowl is a type of public degree it could be like a, it's a letter's patent it could be a decree, a letters patent, or a charter that is issued by a pope of the Catholic Church. The pope is the highest official in the Catholic Church. And, it is, and the name Papal Bull comes from the Latin seal, aka the bulla, which is usually added in the end to authenticate it. So, the history the use of the Papal Bull dates back all the way to the 6th century. But the phrase itself, like papal bull, was not used until near the end of the 13th century, and even then it was only used like inside of the church itself for unofficial administrative purposes. However, by the 15th century, it had become an official term. So before that, it was known by other things, but the term papal bull would become official in the 15th century, and it became official because one of the offices of the apost- apostolic a publicly found apostolic chance, chancery was named the so-called registr- registrum bolerum, which means a register of bulls. And the thing to note is that over time, but more specifically in around 1048 when um, Pope Leo IX ascended to the title of Pope, the, the, the distinction kind of came between these two classes, almost the lesser and the greater bulls, so to say, the great bulls are usually confirmations of property or charters of protection, which are given to mon- monasteries and religious institutions. Basically, it was like something along the lines of like, I give these people authority to establish this monarchy of or this order. Basically, the greater ones would be like specific documents involving religious institutions, like you are allowed to found it, you are allowed to have this. An interesting thing to know is that they actually, at this time, there was actually a huge issue of people fabricating documents, because fabricating one could give you, like, certain, like, oh, the Pope said I could have this land type deal. And as a result of this, people really wanted to make sure that theirs was, like, above, the people were all very important, all very not important, but all very concerned with ensuring that their bull was extreme exceptionally, or just very authentic. By very authentic, I mean something that, like, vex... Even though it is real, something that makes it looks real, too, just because you don't want someone to think, oh, it's a fake one, because back then, it would definitely be... The criminal justice system in Europe was a lot rougher than it is today. And it's interesting to notice that, in some cases, a papal confirmation could actually be used as basically an evidence that you own the property. If Even if you lost the deed to your house or to your monastery, the papal bull would be enough to say that it is yours. So these were very important documents. And since the 1100s, the papal Bulls have carried a leaden and steel, and this has the heads of the, of the two apo- of the apostles, St. Paul and St. Peter, on one side, and then the name of whatever pope is issuing it on the other. And at first, these would be issued for many times to communicate with their public nature, but by, like, the 1200s, they'd only use them for the very formal or very solemn occasion- occasions. And at first, they'd use a form of papyrus until the early years of the 10th, 11th century. But later on, they'd use a rough kind of parchment. I and the thing to know is that people have actually kind of retroact scholars more specifically, have kind of retroactively used the word bowl to describe any, basically any formal papal document that's been issued in the form of a privilege or a decree in both solemn or simple form. And a privilege is the canon law of the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, and some forms in the letters, like Lesser Rabbit ones, and it, it's popularly used for pretty much any papal document that contains a metal seal. But today, the Pope is the only written communication which the Pope will reserve himself as Biscopis Servorum Dei, Bishop, Servant of the Servants of God. And the thing to note also is that they used to always contain the metal seal, but now they only do them, like, one in the most... Holy or most important kind of messages contain it. So, I'm going to talk a bit about the format of a papal edict and kind of explain what it is. So, it usually begins with one line in this kind of very tall, elongated letters that have three elements the name of the pope, his title, aka Episcopus Service Servorum Dei, which means, of course, bishop, servant of the servant of God, servant of the servants of God, sorry, not the other way around, and since, which is basically like the first few words like, the first few words of a text, which you kind of employ as, like, identifying title or label. And they had ne- they didn't really have any conventions for how it was formatting, but usually it was often simple. And they'd, they'd kind of close to, like, when it was issued and stuff like that. And then, usually, they just add, like, the seal and something. And the Pope would actually sign some of his most holy ones itself. And then, of course, in this case, they would have a very elaborate monogram. And then a very elaborate signatures but now usually it's a member a member of the roman courier which is basically like the administration of the holy see are the ones who sign that these days which is kind of like cold and it's usually something known as the cardinal secretary of state so those who do not know basically think they're like a bunch of like offices within the catholic church that kind of handle this type of stuff as i previously mentioned previously mentioned the bull. The metal seal was usually made of lead, but I did not mention that in some cases. Usually for the solemn ones, they'd actually make it out of gold. And, and actually, Byzantine, I think the cool thing to know is that Byzantine emperors would also use a similar concept. And it would usually depict a form of it. However, this is not like some super fancy encryption. This is usually a pretty crudely made kind of just of the early fathers, a.k.a. the Apolli aka the Christian Apostles St. Peter and St. Paul. And they'd identify them by the letters Sanctus Paulus and Sanctus Petrus, or S.P.A., S.P.E. And these are kind of somewhat rough, but they were still somewhat identifiable. They have a little disc on it, and this would be usually either of hemp cords or some silk. And they continue to use different things. And the thing to note is that later on, a man would actually recreate the metal matrix for this, a man known as Benvenuto Cellini, who was a, for the Florentine engraving, he actually made it much more, well, I want to say beautiful, but much more detailed, and they would kind of use that, then later on to help them design it. And the thing to note is that, since the late 1700s, 1700s, the bowler was placed with a red ink stamp, of Peter and Paul, with the Pope's name encircling the photo, picture, sorry, But they still, as I previously mentioned, some of the more, like, inform, some of the more former ones are still receiving the seal. And a series of them, so, the ones before the 11th century don't really exist because papyrus is a very fragile material, especially in this wet and humid environment, so a lot of them died. And none of them survived, like, there's not an entire population surviving from any time before 1819. And basically that's the mainer that's basically it on Popolytics. Thanks guys for listening. Have fun. And this was once again the Random History.